is LBC from Global, leading Britain's conversation. The best of Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. I hope your weekend has started well. I'm with you for the next couple of hours to ease you gently into your Saturday morning. In an hour's time, I'll be in conversation and I'll be telling you who I'll be talking to this week a little bit later on. Before that, I'll give you a chance to catch up on some of the best bits from the 4am spike this week. What do you mean you missed some of the programme? I expect a note from your parents or your doctor at the very least. So over the next hour, the best of Steve Allen. You'll hear what grabbed my attention over the past week from the massive stories we've all been reading and talking about to the barely Z-listers that we have to Google just to remember who they even are. Don't bother, please, texting, tweeting or emailing me about what you're having for breakfast, because I don't care, or what your favourite biscuit is. I couldn't care less at the best of times anyway. I'm Steve Allen and I'm with you until 7 o'clock this Saturday morning. So sit back, open your ears and enjoy the conversation. This is May did a very good impression of Turn around, everybody, you know, my heart. A very good impression of Bonnie Tyler. It's a heartache, nothing but a heartache. Every time you, you beat, meet Bonnie Tyler, you think she's got laryngitis. But uh, she hasn't, as far as I know. And every now and then it falls apart. You could have, have such a field day, couldn't you? The best of Steve Allen on LBC. There's another death coming up on Corrie. Oh, sorry. I should have done spoiler alert, but uh, <laughs> a roof fell in and there's a couple of people in there. But who are they and who will be going? David Blackburn says, hope your tummy holds out. Me too. He says, oh, my God, you've just given away a Corrie spoiler. Oh, have they not had the accident yet? Well, I don't know. But actually, I couldn't care less. I'm, not, I'm really not that bothered. You know, the, 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 as far as I know, there is no sort of lockdown on, on stories. The moment it's in the paper, it's in the public domain. And so somebody's going to die, and there's a, there's a possibility of about five or, or six people. And I'll tell you who they are. It doesn't bother me. Why, why would it make any difference? Doesn't make, you know, people say, I remember somebody writing into me years ago. Do you remember I, I mentioned an EastEnders storyline? Somebody, I'm going to write and complain about you. I thought, well, go do your worst. Go do your worst. And um, and I, I, he didn't get very far with it. He said, because it ruined it for me, because I was going to watch it on the catch-up. What's well, your problem, innit? Your problem, watch it on catch-up, because what, what are you doing? Having your toenails done or something, so you can't watch it when it goes out. No, 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 the moment it goes out, I'll talk about it. It's as simple as that. It's like trying to guess Brexit for tomorrow, but I don't think I'll, uh, I'll do that. Uh, Steve says, Richard, I hope it's neither Ina Sharples or Albert Tatlock dying in Corrie, as they're my favourites. It was so funny because the woman who played Ina Sharples uh, was so posh and she had to play working class. And it was it was really it was so funny to watch, especially when you heard her uh, her sort of voice normally. OK, rubble, rubble at mill. Rubble at mill. This is Coronation Street. The Corrie Who Done It. OK. These are the these are the people. They've named six suspects behind the upcoming fatal collapse at Corrie's. Knicker Factory. Harry, oh sorry, Seb Franklin. Gary Windass. Carla Connor. Peter Barlow. Nick Tilsley. Or Robert Preston. Which one of them? Which one of them set this off here? And uh, there are certain people. Sally Webster was under rubble after she and her sister Gina staged a rooftop protest over the job cuts and the roof fell in. They love a good disaster. So one of them 
is going to die. Uh, Co-owner Nick Tilsley is suspected of an insurance fiddle. Seb Franklin's in the frame as he wants revenge on boss Gary, who tried it on with his girlfriend. Peter Barlow and Robert Preston are angry after splits from Carla and sister-in-law Michelle. But who dies? Who dies? Somebody's going and somebody will be found guilty. They've always got to do it, haven't they? They've always got to do something that is sort of, it upsets the apple cart. Why can't they just have a nice time? And why is nobody selling kebabs in Coronation Street? No kebabs. They've got the, um, I think they've got a fish and chip shop, I think. I think that's right, they've got a Costa Coffee because they paid to be there. And I think they have uh, What's It's Cafe. We can probably get a good front. I've never seen anything being cooked ever. Obviously far too dangerous. Uh, Steve, there is a kebab shop in Corrie run by Chesney and owned by Dev. Is there a kebab shop? I would think there would have to be. Because it seems that the fish and chip monopoly in EastEnders is owned by uh, the the young lad who's been in it so many years now. I've, I feel there's something going on between the two of us. I think it's great. Uh, isn't it Michelle who's leaving Corrie? How come nobody ever shops in the co-op or turns their lights off when they leave their house, says Jill? Uh, I don't know, actually. You're asking, you're asking the wrong person, actually. Yeah, is that... Oh, see, I didn't know she was leaving. Where did you hear that? What do you hear? Because normally I'm the one who tells people these things, but I don't like spoilers, as you can well imagine. I don't. Yeah, we're sorry if anybody's been offended by that. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, another one here. It was you, Mr. Allen, who told us last week Kim Marsh, who plays Michelle, is leaving Corrie after 13 years to do reality shows, says Jill. Well, yeah, but only because it was in the papers. Only because it was in, in the papers. If it's in the papers, it's fair game. Once it's reached that thing, there's nobody ever going to sue you. And she's been dragging it out. She's not going till much later in the year. Much later in the year. And she said oh, she, she hasn't ruled out a reality show. She's trying to make some money. But, of course, you know, she's of no interest to anybody. She was in a group called Hearsay. Then she joined Coronation Street with no experience. And so she's done that. Now she thinks that there's money to be made when, when she hears about people, you know, and they've got their own clothing and all this kind of stuff. And you think, yeah, much younger people have. Much younger people. And obviously, somebody said to her, listen, you, you can do really well on that. But I just, I think it's unlikely. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. Odd, odd, odd. Uh, Katie. This is EastEnders star Katie Jarvis has been glassed on a night out. Now, that in itself is absolutely awful. But I keep reading about all these dreadful things. However, what is even more bizarre about this story is when the, uh, the newspapers phoned up to speak to her agent at the Edinburgh-based Hunwick Associates. Ring, 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 ring. Hello, Hunwick Associates. Sorry. Hello, Hunwick Associates. And, uh, oh, Mrs Woman's working there, isn't she? Uh, and so uh, we'd like to ask you about Katie Jarvis. No. The agent refused to discuss the incident. She said, I have no... This is what the agent said. My God, I'd get rid of her immediately. I have no comment to make to any newspaper on any subject to do with anything. Whatever it is, I do not want to hear. What an odd thing to say. They phone up to say your client, Katie Jarvis, has been glassed in a pub. And she says, I have no comment to make to any newspaper on any subject to do with anything. Whatever it is, I do not want to hear. This is from Hunwick Associates, based in Edinburgh. I mean, Mrs Woman, is there something the matter with you? That's your client. That's your client. I have nothing to say on anything at all. I'm sorry, are you a simpleton? What's the matter with you? Honestly, she should be changing the agent soon. Wouldn't the agent be saying, oh, you know, it's... Uh, I've got a... No? Appears in all the newspapers this morning. You can't win, can you? Leading Britain's conversation. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. Tell you what I saw the other day. 
Listen, I was on a bus. I was on the bus, and at the moment, the Richmond bus station is closed, so the buses stop on the outside road. And every day, there is a young girl who goes to a school in Twickenham, and she's in a wheelchair. It's one of those motorised wheelchairs. She's severely handicapped by the look of it. And so the bus pulls in. He sees her. And so he's, he's a bit confused by this. So he closes the doors again. Having opened the doors, they obviously go. She has a carer with her who says, you know, uh, you open the door because she needs the ramp going down. Anyway, where is he parked? He's parked directly opposite a telegraph pole. I mean, seriously, I mean, you couldn't have met a more stupid driver if you tried. A telegraph pole. So he sends the little thing that shoots out the side of the bus to it. Of course, it hits the telegraph pole. It won't go any further. So she can't get on the bus. So as opposed to having half a brain cell and moving the bus a bit forward so the ramp can go out, he sits there. And then he brings the thing back in again. And I thought, oh, he's actually going to to move the bus. No, he didn't move the bus at all. There was nobody else there. It was just us and this poor girl in the wheelchair. And I thought, what's the matter with you? And then and so and then the woman comes back. And she says, it's it banging against the lamppost here. And he goes, I thought. Is he a bit stupid? Why has he not moved the bus forward so he can get this thing on? Anyway, he left her. He left her there. I nearly took a photograph of him to report him. You can't do that. And then the worst thing is, just as he was about to pull away, he's only just closed the door, and a father and daughter ran up, little girl, to get on the bus, totally ignored them and drove off. Dreadful bus driver. Dreadful. If I see you again, I'll remember you. I'll put your picture up on the internet. This disabled girl was sat there, but the carer said, oh, can you not get us on? He went, no. I thought, of course you can. Move the bus two feet. Stupid people, honestly. It does annoy me. It does annoy me when it's somebody like that. I should have actually said something to him, but uh, I thought, no, you don't want to get involved. You might be one of these aggressive types. Right, I'm turning the bus off. I might have sat there being arrogant. I've seen that before. Uh, Carl says, please speak up if you see that, uh, the disabled girl not being left on the bus. This was just a totally ignorant driver who could have moved the bus like a foot the other side of the lamp. He could have got out of his thing and gone, oh, sorry. He didn't. Sat there like a complete so-and-so. Please report the bus driver, says Tony in Chingford. The CCTV and all London buses, and that complained to be proven straight away. I just sat there, and it took ages. We were sitting there for about five minutes. He didn't have the intelligence to move the bus so he could get the ramp out there. So he, he pushes the ramp out. I mean, surely he's got mirrors. Surely he must have been able to see something. Being in an electric wheelchair, says Mike, I can tell you your story is more common than you think. Best thing to do is note the time, the day and what bus stop you're at. Take some pictures of the bus licence plate, then complain with the info. Unless you complain, it'll keep happening. I'm horrified. Horrified. You know, she's she's obviously severely disabled. She goes to a school, uh, which is sort of on our route in, and she's got a carer that goes with her. But the carer is really nice. She's like, oh, it's all right, we'll wait, we'll wait for the next bus. I thought she should have kicked off. You know, trouble is, sometimes you don't like to get involved, do you? Because you think, it's not my, my shout. But I was, I was a bit... And then that man who came running up and, and knocked on the door and the bus driver just pulled away. He could have opened the doors, let him on there. Steve actually is an ex-bus driver. I can tell you electric wheelchairs aren't allowed on buses as they have a battery. Well, that would be a bit stupid, wouldn't it? That would be very stupid. Of course electric wheelchairs are allowed on buses. What are they supposed to do? Pootle along on the pavement? What a ridiculous thing to say. What a ridiculous thing to say, honestly. TFL rules. If, you, if you're motorised, you can't get on a bus. Well, I watch it on a daily basis. A daily basis. People getting on buses. This was a, this was a rogue bus driver who wasn't prepared to move a couple of feet 
so they could open the, the thing and get her on there. Yes, as long as they're low speed, they're allowed on there. So there you go. This isn't one of those things that's like, you know, it's, it, it, this, is, this, is an, this is a wheelchair, you know, with a little hat. This isn't, you know, one of those go faster things which goes on the roads and people have decorated them and everything else. It's not one of those. This is a proper wheelchair. And she's on it every day, except yesterday, by the bus driver who should be reprimanded, you know. For, and, and not, why is it that they just totally ignore people? Perhaps he doesn't like disabled people. Perhaps he couldn't be bothered. This is LBC. Here, Steve Allen live. Every Sunday morning from five and Monday to Friday morning from four. Marilyn says, you just said you hate Monday mornings, yet you always say you enjoy every day. I do. I do. I'm also exactly fickle. I can say whatever I like. Whatever I like. And and I, do, I, I don't say... I always say people elsewhere hate Mondays. You know, people go, oh, it's Monday morning. I love every day. Every single day, I love. Can't help it. It's, it must be something, you know, it must be like a nurse getting ready to go into work, thinking, you know, how much good you can do. And, uh, and I always think, you know, that's, that's the same as radio, isn't it? You go onto radio, you don't know how the programme's going to turn out. You have no idea. You cannot plan it. You cannot plan, you know, a sort of a, a programme. You might have a list of items, but how it goes depends on what sort of mood you're in. I was listening to David Lammy the other day. Some of the calls went well, some didn't go well. But that's, but that's the whole idea of it, isn't it? George is an older shot. And he says, I have to disagree. I love Monday mornings only because it means the end of a weekend of night shifts. It's a moral victory. See, it's funny because I, I like coming into work. We all like coming. To, we wouldn't be here otherwise. I would say, if, if you don't like it, go away. Go away and sort of go and do something else. If you can find something that you like. Because my, my brother's, I mean, a complete career change. I won't tell you what he's doing, but it's a complete career change. Because he sort of he said I've I've now put that you know what I did before behind me now looking forward to something else. I said what me too, me too. And uh, Anne says you didn't say you hate Monday. You said some of us out here do, and then radio is here for us. Thank you, Anne. You see, that's the trouble. People can't hear properly. Uh, Steve, uh, was it Dr Pepper's? Vanilla? No, no, it's not Dr Pepper. It's no make I've ever heard of. But it's quite a fancy looking label. I'll need to find out the name of the pub and find out what it is they serve because it was, it was quite delicious. It comes in loads of different flavours. Uh, Bish says, I had a near fatal heart attack three years ago at the age of 49, now 52. I live every day and make the most of it, whether it's Monday or not. Absolutely. We're all on borrowed time, take my word for it. We're all on that time where one day there'll be a calling from the big man upstairs and that'll be your time to go. And uh, you either go, you know, cheerfully or you go miserably. I'm going to go cheerfully, actually, because I'm reckoning it's an even bigger audience up there than it is down here. Imagine I could sit on a cloud and pontificate. They'll hate me. The angels would have me removed. The angel union would be going, oh, no, not again, not again. He did four hours yesterday on the cloud. Do Ofcom operate? No, that's the good news. Ofcom don't operate up there. <laughs> That'll be my saving grace. They go, oh, no, Steve, we're from Ofcom. Oh, forget we're in heaven. Come on. Enjoy it a little bit. Well, I don't know. You're a bit near that knuckle about Moses, you know, in the bulrushes. Oh, come on. And that big ice cream manufacturer in the, in the Far East. What was that one? Walls of Jericho. And, and I remember thinking, oh, I quite like that. You know, the trumpets will sound and then they'll all collapse down. And I, I could have been... Who was that man? Oh, Samson, wasn't it? They cut his hair off and he became weak like a woman. A bit like James Jordan. But he did win the Dancing on Ice, so we decided not to mention it. This is the best of Steve Allen on LBC. Impression is John Culshaw has been getting close with the woman from Jeremy Vine's show. She's called Storm Huntley. Of course she is. 
And she obviously thinks she's co-presenter of the show. But anyway, John, John Culshaw's uh, hanging around there. So she must be grateful, get a little bit of publicity, because otherwise you could lose her on the programme. I think all he does is turn to her and go, so, um, you know, what have we got today? Oh, today she's Scottish, isn't she? It's a takeover. It's a takeover bid. But I've never heard of anybody called Storm, apart from Stormy Daniels or whatever her name was. I've never heard of the name. Is it a common? There she is. Just looks like she used to be a model or something. I bet she is. I bet she, I bet she used to be a model. In her days when she was thinner. Uh, was she? Was she? Yeah, she's very Scottish, isn't she? She's very She makes you look as though you're, you're a southern Jessie. Let's have a little listen. This week on Jeremy Vine, we had a star-studded lineup of uber-talented guests, starting with 80s pop legend Paul Young, who decided to bring along his friend. <laughs> she sounds as though she's come from local radio, doesn't she? I don't know why. You know, you just get that, that thing when you listen to people sort of talking. She's much more refined than you are. Much more refined, isn't she? You're almost the rough end of the market compared to her. She's very sophisticated and she's got very big rollers. I get the feeling, though, she sort of she thinks she's part of it, but uh, she is just the sidekick, but not really a particularly interesting sidekick. Very odd outfits. Very odd. I'm assuming they must be her own. But uh, do, do we know anything about her? We know it's a fake tan, yeah. Too much makeup. Yes, we're, we're in, well, that in Scotland that would be called rust. <laughs> it's not a. She's. Oh right, so she started off at BBC Scotland. So she's done Scotland Radio. Hello, everybody. My name's Storm Huntley. <laughs> and then she went. Oh, she's a CBeebies person. Oh God, now she wants to move into adult stuff. And then on to Jeremy Vine. Oh, so she went from CBeebies. How funny. How funny. I bet her agent's pumping her out like mad, going, please take her, please take her. She's CBeebies. She's CBeebies. But she, she's... Actually, the funny thing is, she's... All Scottish people talk like that. You know, because it's very... They do so. It's pronounced. You listen to Lorraine. Oh, you're gorgeous. Because if, if she spoke at the speed she normally speaks at, you'd never catch up with it. And this one, we speak slowly. So we, look at these outfits. Where is she getting these ghastly outfits from? Who in God's name wears a bright yellow dress with a little bow at the top of it with a brooch in the middle? I mean, dear God, try and get somebody to sort of... Look, these little bits of diamond. Oh, dear me, honestly. No, not working, is it? It's not working. Not working at all. She sort of sits there. She's tried to coordinate outfits, but difficult to... If you were looking at her, how old do you think she is? I mean, I, I would find it very difficult to work out how old I thought she was. Most people in CBeebies are about 28, aren't they? Something like that. They are sort of a lot older than they look. Tw 28. Do we know how old she is? How old? She's 32. Oh, she's fairly ancient, isn't she, for this job? Fairly ancient. What happened to the last one? We had a, These outfits are just atrocious. They really are. Surely somebody can dress her better than that. She's got a pretty face, pretty hair. She's not tall, but it doesn't matter. And uh, But you just need to get better outfits. They're not, they're not the best outfits I've ever seen. Uh, Steve, talking of Scottish presenters, says Gary. Why is the lovely Lorraine Kelly still stuck doing lightweight presenting jobs? Because uh, four of them are recorded. Uh, sorry, uh, three, four of them are live. Or is it three of them are live and two are pre-recorded? Same with Loose Women. Loose Women are pre-recorded on uh, one day or two days. Can't remember. But uh, they all do it, so it saves them having to do it. You just you finish doing the programme and then you just go... She, she changes her outfit and then you just go straight into the next one. It could work on radio. It could work on radio quite easily, actually. Uh, she could easily do serious stuff. She could. I remember her on Question Time, says Gary. Lorraine Kelly? Since when was that? I never saw her as on question. I, to be honest with you, I can't even remember that. It was such a long time ago. Lost in the annals of time. Where she came from? Where did she come from? Scottish television, I should imagine. 
Wait a minute. She did Question Time in 2002. I never knew that. I never knew that. Isn't that odd? What, presenting it or guest on the panel? She guest on the panel. Right. Good heavens above. 17 years ago. That's why she does I mean, she does it easier now. Awkward. Oh, do a bit of cooking. And uh, she likes the pretty boys doing the cooking, I've noticed. And she likes the fashion items. She likes things like that. Also, as you get a little bit older, you change your, your sort of modus operandi. And uh, it seems to serve her well. They seem to like her. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. Do you know 5.7 million of you get up in the middle of the night to go for a wee? That's good. Do you wake up in the middle of the night to go for a wee? No, you sleep all the way through. Do you? Oh, right, you wake up in the middle of the night to go to work. No, you know what I mean, though? When you go to sleep, do you have an uninterrupted sleep for, what, eight hours? No? You, you have an uninterrupted... You don't. You can't have. No, I don't either. I wake up probably about twice or three times. In fact, I actually woke up early last night, as per usual, and I, uh, I fell asleep in front, of the, in front of the television on the settee, which was lovely, with one foot dragging on the floor. <laughs> and Carl says, I had a vision of you asleep on the sofa. It sort of reminded me of Stan Ogden. Thank you. Uh, Mrs M says, uh, just turned you on, woken up for a wee. What was up with that story about the person who says, every morning at six o'clock, I go to the toilet. Unfortunately, I don't get up till eight. <laughs> uh, I don't wake up to use the loo, but I do wake up with a very dry mouth, says Ron. You know, you can get a spray for that. You know, there is a spray for dry mouth. There is actually a, a condition called dry mouth, I think, <laughs> Steve. Uh, it's much worse having a pee in the middle of the night if you haven't actually gotten up. Oh, yeah, but do you, I don't know. I mean, when I was younger and when I was at school and I was a boarder, um, a lot of young boys, because we were very young, we would have been about uh, nine and a half, ten years old. Uh, you know, you were away from your parents, and so they used to give you the rubber sheet. And the rubber sheet used to go on the beds, which, of course, was horrible because it didn't soak anything up. You just kind of floated on top of it. But I always knew when I was going to wet the bed. Always knew. Because you dream about going to the toilet for some strange reason. I spoke to somebody about it years later, and they said, well, that's how it works. You dream of going to the toilet. It's only when you suddenly think, Wait a minute, I am going to the toilet. And they used to, and you have to try and get out of bed, and then you'd roll the sheet up to one side of it so that you'd be sleeping on a dry bit. Oh, it was dreadful, honestly. What we had to go through, terrible. My parents lied to me. Oh, don't worry, when you go to prep school, it'd be great. You can have cocoa and an apple before you go to bed. <laughs> yeah, when was that? Never, never had that at all. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. Louis Tomlinson's going to design his own tour merchandise. I wouldn't go too bad, dear. I'd, I mean, I'd, you know... There's a limit how much you can sort of rip people off, and I think merchandise, you know. I mean, what are you going to buy? Mugs, T-shirts, stuff like that. I know they all do it, but you are only Louis Tomlinson. I don't, you know, put it this way, don't buy any more than 20. You know, because it, that would be silly, wouldn't it? You don't want to be left with a lot over. I used to, I used to do merchandise on my, uh, on my shows. I didn't design a mug, no, no. But I think it was called Steve Allen, the Bitches Back Tour. Seemed to work quite well for us, you know. Yeah, we had professional mug makers who made that. I was going to have T-shirts, but to be honest with you, nobody could be bothered. But we did, we did sell badges. We sold, but we all sort of, I'm one of Steve's little testiculars because then we used to text on the programme. We only discovered the texting because Clyde Bull mentioned texting. And he said, oh, you know, have you, why have you not cleared out your sort of texting? I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, but you've got all these texts. I said, from where? He said, well, we, we, you can, people can send in to you. And oh, where are they? So anyway, me and my producer sort of... Tr- and there was pages and pages and pages and pages 
of texts. And you think, good Lord above. I mean, after the Global Awards, over 4,500 texts. Very nice. Leading Britain's conversation. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. Who's a new girl at nine? Who's a new girl at nine? This was a very interesting story that I found on the internet, and it's appeared in a, in a couple of the papers today. And it's the story of a little boy. A little boy who, at the age of six and seven, I think, uh, decided that he wanted to be a little girl. And what he used to do at home... This is somebody in this country, I think about Stoke-on-Trent or something like that. And uh, and his, his mum used to sort of make him up. And all. She didn't think, she just thought, you know what little boys are like now? They, they play with dolls, they do all sorts of things. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. In this particular case, it, uh, it was a case of he was sort of acclimatising. He sat in the bath one day and he said to his mum, I think I'm a girl. And so from that moment, he started dressing as a girl. He started doing girly things. He has three other brothers. And, and his mum said it's actually quite nice, you know, to actually have a girl to go out with. And we do shopping. And he only answers to his, uh, to his girl's name. And he's got clothes. And he seems totally happy with it. Totally happy. So, of course, I'm always a bit dubious about whether or not nine years old you know things like that. But I think secretly you probably do. Probably do. So now he is a she and is totally happy being a new girl at the age of nine. And everybody seems to have accepted it. Everybody happy. There you go. Another one here says, what would your alternative uh, name have been? I was going to go for Jim, actually. I thought Jim's quite a, quite a sort of camp name, isn't it, really? Ooh, what's your name? It's Jim. You know, if I wasn't going to be called Steve, I would have... I don't know, actually. Probably, I don't know. My, my cousin changed his name to Barry. And I was never sure, you know, I think I'd like to be... I can't... Julian. His name was Julian before. He didn't like the name Julian. And so he changed it to, uh, to Barry. I don't know what you'd change your name. If you could change your name to something, what would you change your name to? I'm trying to think. Gareth, I quite like. I'm sure. Good morning, everybody. It's Gareth here. No, it doesn't sound right. Idris. Idris. <laughs> That's quite a good idea. Idris. Is it? Storm Idris. Well, at the moment, we've got Gareth on the way in. So uh, I quite like the idea of an alternative name. It's like, didn't they tell you there was a formula for changing your name to a girl's name? And I can't remember what it was. You had to sort of take away some letters and add something. So if, if your real name is... It was, I can't remember how it worked. I remember thinking about it the other day, thinking, that's an odd one, isn't it? So, you know, your, your real name is this, but your female name would be something else. So how does that one work? They're desperately trying to find it now. It's, oh, oh, the place is alive. Place. So what colour is your hair? Uh, mousy brown. <laughs> what colour are my eyes? Grey-green. I remember that from the passport. My favourite animals, pussy cats and dogs. <laughs> do, I like home, do I like homework? No, no, I never liked homework. Never liked, I never did homework. Well, I did do it, but I didn't like doing it. It was rubbish. Attitude. So, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, I'd go out and date Sharon Osbourne. Yeah, I think she'd be quite good fun, actually. She'd be a bit feisty. I think me and her would get on, on great. I think so. Absolutely. <laughs> so she'd be very thrilled. Go, do you like... No, I don't. I don't. Well, not, not football teams from the North West, just football teams full stop. I'm not... My favourite soap. I like Kame. Oh, soap opera. Uh, my favourite soap opera, Emmerdale. Emmerdale. 
Oh, it's very complicated. It's just to find my girl's name. What type of films do I like? Christmas films. Nothing that comes back on that. You can just tell, can't you? <laughs> Drama or romance? Romance. Definitely. My favourite colour would be... My favourite colour would be... Oh, I don't know. Blue. <laughs> Blue. Very dull. Very dull, isn't it? What's this quid... No, it really... What, what does it come up with? Does it come up with an answer at the end? Is there an answer for sort of what would my girl's name be? Sarah or Kayla? Yeah, you've got Lola or Jessica. Yeah, not surprised at that one at all. Lola or Jessica. Her name was Lola. She was a showgirl. The Kayla Allen Show. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Kayla. Lola's here as well. Hi, Lola. Can you imagine what it could be like? Steve, can be a female name, as can Leslie. Really? Stevie Nicks. Oh, right. Oh, I see what you mean. Oh, right. Thomas, would that be a... No, all you get is a tank engine, isn't it? You don't really get anything else apart from a tank engine. Although, actually, I don't mind a tank engine. That's OK. And Chris, short for Christopher. Uh, make up your mind. I thought your eyeballs were green-grey. No, it's always grey-green. Never, never backwards. <laughs> uh, I'd change my name to Pedro Rodriguez. <laughs> I see you as a Wayne. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Don't, definitely do not come from Chavy Chav Chav families. Definitely not. And uh, Steve, I was christened James, but most people called me Jimmy, as I hated James. When anybody used to phone and ask for Jimmy, my mum used to say, there's no Jimmy lives here, and then put the phone down. I don't know why it would be Scottish. I just assume there's a lot of... Yeah, it could be one of your relatives, you know. Your mother's written in before to the programme. At least she knows where you are. I mean, that that's a blessing, isn't it? Uh, Jim says, I see you as a Georgina. Yeah, you know, you're going down the wrong road for me. Going down the wrong road. He said, I get the last word on it as I started it. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think so you do. I don't think you do. Because Jim is short for Jimmy, isn't it, really? Both my grandfathers, says Holly, were named John and registered their sons as John also. To differentiate, the sons were called Ian, which is Gaelic for John. My mother was named Mary after an aunt who she grew to dislike fervently, and she changed her name to Moira at a very young age. Don't forget that the... Gentrification of South London has given us St. Ockwell and St. Retham as well. <laughs> I've forgotten about St. Ockwell as well. Lee says, when I was younger, I told all my friends I was called Steve. As in the 70s, it was a cool name because of Steve Austin, Steve McGarrett and Steve McQueen. Mum couldn't understand why for months all the kids would knock at the door and ask for Steve. I never thought about it, Andrew. I never thought about, you know, different, different names. I just thought Stephen... You know, Chris and Stephen, so I'm Steve. And it's been like that for years. If I had a change, perhaps I could use my middle name, which is uh, William. Bill. I think because that's a family name. Well, I mean, it's obviously loads of people's names. But uh, I think we've, we've all got it. My dad had it. My brother's got it as a middle name. Because some people don't have middle name. you got a middle name? What's of yours? Two middle names. Well, that's just greedy. What is it? What are they? Frederick John. Must be... That's, that I was going to say, that sounds like grand, granddad's names. Is it funny? Do you call him grandfathers, granddads, grandpapa? Oh, right. See, I, I met... How many did I meet? I think I only met one as well. I'm pretty certain. I think the other one had already died when we sort of came along. I just remember meeting one of them. He came to our home in Brentwood and he was wearing a D-mob suit, which had enormously wide 
trousers. I mean, like, enormously wide trousers. And he had an asthma inhaler, which was like a thing that fitted over his nose, and he squeezed the bulb. Like, I mean, it looked like he was near death anyway. But the trouble is, because we were kids, they just go, oh, what do we call him? Grandad. Yeah, Grandad's here. And you go, oh, hi. And, uh, you know, and that was, but you don't know them. You don't know these people. So how many middle names you got? You got two, two as well. Good Lord. Are they grandfather's names? No. What are they? Are they? What's the first? James and Levin. Well, Levin must be an Armenian name, isn't it? I guess that one right. That's an interesting name. Levin, isn't it? What does it mean? Does it mean anything? Does it have a... Well, <laughs> I'm never sure if names are supposed to mean... I, know, I remember when my mother got pregnant, apparently. Pe- people go through books, don't they, of what your name means. And I think Stephen means king. Why? I've got no idea. But uh, Levin, for for Scottish boy, means lion, does it? Shh, lion. I'm not sure about that. What does Levin mean? Does Levin mean... Oh, it means lion. Oh, right. <laughs> Bit out on that one, aren't they? Bit out on that one. Lion. What was the first one? James. James. Oh, right. So that's it. I think James is quite nice. We've had a few, few kings called James. And uh, did people shorten your name at school? Did they just call you Tom or something like that? Or... A university. I'm surrounded by clever people. Seriously. <laughs> Not. <laughs> so what What do they call you at university? Or you? Oh, right, Tom. I never know what to call him. I know what he calls me, which is Sir. And, uh, and that always works. <laughs> and I would thought, there was a boy in my class, says Shane, called Beverly. His other name was Tony, which he went under. How would a mother call her boy that? Well, we had Johnny Cash had a record out, a boy named Sue. And also we had, who was that wrestler we had? Shirley Crabtree. Shirley Crabtree was a, a, you know, you can imagine being called Shirley. You can imagine that for a boy. Not surprising, he became a wrestler. Became a very well-known wrestler, actually. But uh, there might be people listening who are called Shirley. But it's, it's those middle names, isn't it? Some people don't have them. Some people do have middle names. And I think that's always quite a nice thing to have, a middle name. You never use it. But then, but then you might... I think with, the only time I ever heard it done, because in the royal family, you know, Charles, Philip, Arthur, George, Moira, whatever, and so it goes on. They have like sort of six or seven different, uh, different names. Because <laughs> didn't Diana get it wrong? Yeah. Charles, Philip, George... Oh, doesn't matter, dear. Doesn't matter. We'll live with it. I've got three middle names, says Chantelle, and I'm a twin who has the same. My mum didn't know she was having twins. They were just names she liked. There you go. My son Joseph's middle name is William. I'll tell him when he's a bit older. He got it from Steve Allen. Wonder how that'll go down, says Carl. It'll go down very well. Very well. Uh, Wayne the Trolley Dolly says, I like the name Bill Allen. It sounds like a jazz club in Soho. Bill Allen's. Yeah, it's, uh, there is a, a restaurant called Bill's, isn't there? Sort of. It's one of those places where they serve your breakfast on a piece of uh, piece of board, which isn't quite as exciting. I prefer plates, no matter how old I get. But uh, nice to hear from you, Wayne. I hope you're well. My great-grandfather was christened Thomas, but was breastfed until he was eight. and was called Tuddy until he died. I don't know. I never knew if I was breastfed. I don't think it's the kind of thing that you sort of ask your parents. In fact, I didn't know what it was. Had no idea. So I can't tell you if, you know, as a child, because that's... This is the best of of Steve Allen on LBC. ...how you are. But uh, I don't know if I was... Were you breastfed? Do you know? You know, you... No. You don't know? Yes. Oh, you do know and you... um, How do you... Oh, sorry. How do you know? How do you... Did you ask? She told you. She's very forward, your mother. Very forward. I can't imagine my mother saying, Oh, by the way, Stephen, breastfeeding today at four. 
You know, I mean, it's, it's you know, I mean, it's not, it's not the kind of thing I think we'd ever have done in our house. We were very prudish, very prudish. I remember walking to the bathroom once and my dad was in the bath and I got out the bath as quick as possible. Terrible. Uh, Will Guyatt says, I get called Guy all the time. He said, people see the start of my surname and assume it's my name. All right. So Will, Will Guyatt, Guy. Guy, yes, yes. You need to change your friends. <laughs> John Wayne's real name was Marion. Yes, we know. I know. It's an odd one, isn't it? Marion. And then, of course, as Nicola points out, Hilary Ben. Hilary Ben. That's a girl's name, Hillary, isn't it? It could never in a million years be a boy's name. But obviously they thought so. Uh, Holly says there are probably plenty of unisex names. Robin is one. Cute enough for a baby boy, but I think it's too girly for a grown-up man. Do you think so, Robin? I know quite a few Robins, actually. You know, I didn't think I was a girl. You think that's a girly name? No, we, we don't think so. Well, oh, you're undecided. Oh, that's all we need. God. Uh, Steve, you're undecided as well. Yeah, but you were always undecided. Yeah, it's not a girly name, is it? Is it? You think it's a girly name? Robin? No, this is R-O-B-I-N, as in Robin Redbreast. Oh, there you go. My my daughter is uh, Nicola Louise, and has always been called Louise. It flows better with our surname. That way it was easier if ever she wanted to be called Nicola, though she never has and always signs N. Louise, says Mo. <laughs> it's strange the amount of people who sort of change... Uh, Kirsty says, I've been called Jeffrey multiple times at work via email as they read my surname first. <laughs> what about Mick Allen, says Chris? You sound like a painter and decorator. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I quite like the idea. Kevin says, my three daughters have four middle names because all the names I wanted to call them, I put them together, gave them a first name and the rest have middle names. It's quite complicated, doesn't it? Paul in Manchesterford. It says, one of my friends at school, Ray, was from a large Irish family. It used to be quite normal for the eldest son's middle name to be Mary after the mother of Jesus. Well, you've told me something new. I didn't know that. As he was one of the best sportsmen in the school and quite handy with his fist. Anybody who teased him only did it the once. We didn't have anybody like that at school. We didn't have anybody who was sort of, you know, aggressive. or and We were just, you know, we were just kids at school. That was Leading that was Britain's conversation. See, the friend reversed his initials to save embarrassment. Known as Vaughan. He's now David Vaughan. That's lovely. Thank you. Don't need to stop it. Don't highlight it. <sighs> Makes it worse, doesn't it? This is LBC. Here, Steve Allen live. Every Sunday morning from five and Monday to Friday morning from four. Seized a lorry with a haul worth a hundred million pounds of cocaine. It was destined for this country. That is, a, that's a lot of whiz. You know, on, I mean, blimey, you know, if Daniela Westbrook had seen that, she'd be learning. She'd be going to get an HGV driver's licence, wouldn't she? Girl, can you imagine? Danielle, we've got a load for you to uh, to bring in. Huh? She's still fallen out with Kerry Katona. They're not uh, They're not talking. She she wouldn't have neon lights, and thank God for that. Please. No, she'd... Uh, I mean, I don't know what she's doing. Apparently, she's coming out of rehab shortly. To do what? I've got no idea. I wish the, these people had stopped fannying around and go and get a job. Go to the job centre. That's what it's for. It's for people like you. People who, you know, go there because they want to work, not sit around waiting, you know, in case somebody comes to them and says, can you do a, you know, a show? Because we don't want to see these people. They need help. They need to get help. Kerry Katona needs help straight away. She thinks she's being funny. Unfortunately, in her world of sort of chavs, and she's way down the list, she, the sort of thing about asking a man how big he is, 
would be considered, oh, it's really funny. The latest thing she's uh, come up with is she thinks that they should do a reality show about her and the children because they're really funny, apparently. Yeah, about as funny as you are, dear. About as funny as you are. She said some of the conversations we have are hilarious. Good, well, you keep it yourself. We're not interested. Couldn't really care less. This is the best of Steve Allen on LBC. Gemma Collins, Steve, says Kel didn't even skate. She flapped her arms around, then fell to her knees. The one's going to take six months to heal. She's an absolute joke. Please let her go to L.A. Yeah, she said she, she comes up with rubbish because she's a bit thick. In fact, she's more than a bit thick. She's quite a bit thick. And, uh, and then she'd get all upset. Ah, oh, because I ain't going to do it. But now I'm going to give it my, my best. Well, kneeling on the ice, dear, waving your arms around is, is more pathetic than I've ever seen. But there again, makes no difference, does it? Makes no difference at all. That's what she does. And apparently they go, now, now they're thinking. Well, she's thinking because she's a bit dim. She wanted to be in a film or something. As if. And then she, then she came up with this classic line on Jonathan Ross that uh, she thought she'd go to L.A. and be a big star over there. They've got fat birds, dear, in L.A. They don't need any more. What, what, what can you contribute? Nothing. Over here, you're, you're, you're the joke person. But uh, over in L.A., they've got people who can actually do things. You know, you actually can't do anything. You can't ice skate. You can't take everything. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit disappointing, really. So, you know, I mean, if you are going, I'll drive you to the airport myself, provided you've got a one-way ticket and you don't come back. That'd make it quite nice, wouldn't it? We could just about fit you in the back of the car. We'll squeeze you in a little bit. Carl says, I figured out how the skaters skate around Gemma Collins so well. She's so large, she's got her own gravitational pull. Oh, that seems as bad as calling her a fridge. But he didn't call her a fridge. She kept referring... I mean, because she's a bit simple, she didn't understand. When he said the GC, that's like that fridge, which has just got two initials on it. LG. He didn't meant she was as fat and as useless as a refrigerator. Far from it. However, <laughs> having seen that pathetic attempt at dancing, what a waste of space. What a waste... Oh, yeah, I'm going to put my heart and soul into it. Unfortunately, you don't put any effort into anything, do you, really? You're just a bit bone-idle. Tom says, if reality TV people like Katie Price and The Fridge, sorry, the GC, had to take an IQ test, I wonder how many of them would make it. Plus, why do TV bosses keep pandering to the lowest common denominator? I don't know. I've got... I mean, I'm, I'm, I wish I had the answer. But I don't. I don't have any answers for things like that at all. I've got no idea why they would want to use Gemma Collins, a totally useless person. Hardly a role model. You know, behaving badly, swearing. You know, disgusting language. Absolutely disgusting language. But then, you know, perhaps some people like that. Leading Britain's conversation. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. More pictures of really badly dressed people. Uh, Cheltenham. I think it was the wind and the rain that kind of sort of sealed their fate. But uh, it's it's not like Ascot, is it? It's not. It doesn't have the the kudos. Mind you, it has the same chavs that go to it. There must be certain people who just want to wear bad clothes who go, and uh, and people wearing fascinators. I mean, surely if you put something on your head that looks like a dead bird's nest, do you look in the mirror before you decide? And sort of go, does that suit me or does that not suit me? Because all these people here, that they say three glam punters. Well, I think you need to go to Specsavers. The, the thing is, they're not glamorous at all. Makeup bad, outfits. But why don't people look in the mirror? That's what God invented mirrors for. See, no, she didn't turn up, the, the band one. Although, actually, the armed police arrested a race-goer. He's obviously some sort of chav. He's wearing jeans and trainers. And why did they arrest him? He had a knife on him. A knife on him. The grey-haired man was uh, a spokesman of the course said he was found in possession of a knife outside the race course enclosure and, uh, and he was taken away. Who are these stupid people? Do they not read the newspapers? Anyway, apparently a viral 
internet cooking sensation has created a special Cheltenham meal to soak up alcohol and keep punters warm. Carol C., who runs Rate My Plate, a site dedicated to showing off people's dishes, reckons her bacon stew is a must-eat for festival week. Bacon stew. Sure about that. Carol says the dish really lines the stomach as it's bulky, especially if you add dumplings. Bacon and dumplings. Actually, I'm looking at a picture of it. I do cut bacon up and use it in sort of rice and things like that, but I'm not sure about a bacon stew. It sounds a bit odd, doesn't it, really? A little bit. LBC used to have uh, race meetings. We used to have race meetings. I went to horses, yeah. I went there. We did... Uh, yeah, I, I was... I, I bet on the tote. We used to have a couple of people, actually, who used to be very, very good at it, but we had LBC uh, race evenings for the uh, for the advertisers and things like that. We did it at Kempton Park and Sandown. And I'd been with Noel Edmonds to all the other racetracks around the country when we took Crinkly Bottom out on tour. <laughs> Means nothing to anybody now, does it, really? Means nothing. Everybody thinks he's mad as a fruitcake. He might be, but he, uh, we still had a great time. I loved it. Did I make a lot of money? About horse racing? No. 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 Well, I was a bit confused by on the nose, each way... You know, paying the paying the tax in front. Uh, it was it was too complicated. Yeah, I used to go in there and I I do it the same when I go to do the national, and I look at the names of the I go by the names of the horses. I go I have to because I don't, I don't know anything about form, and so I I, I write them down and I go, uh, and it might be ten to one, and I might put five or each way on it. So that's going to cost me ten pounds. I think that's the way it works. I'm getting myself confused now, actually. Getting myself confused. Anyway, so if, if it's sort of, you know, it might say 20 to 1. Sometimes I go for something that's quite high, just in case, and I might put a tenner on it. Tenner to win, as opposed to tenner to place. In which case, you don't get as much money. But uh, I'd much rather get something back. Dan in Essex says, looking at the Cheltenham photos, it looks more like glum munters rather than glam punters. Dreadful, isn't it? I mean, really, it, it, some of the outfits. You think, you really haven't thought about this properly. It's filthy weather. Take an umbrella. Don't wear a fascinator. You look ridiculous in it. If you're not used to wearing hats, you look even more embarrassing. I tell you what, do yourself a favour. Stay at home. OK, watch it on the television because it just cheapens the whole thing. I mean, you know, it's like going to Boxing Day racing at some of these race courses. Oh, my goodness me, honestly. Steve, these chavs at the races should save their tacky suits for the court appearances. Hey, old joke of the century being reworked yet again, Simon. It, it, it's true, though. It's, it's sort of some people have got very funny ideas. Mind you, I'm the, they probably look at me. I probably walk down the street and people look at me and go, what is he wearing? You know, but I look good in heels. I don't care what anybody says. You know, take the mickey out of me. Thank you very much indeed. But, it's, but you look at these people and they're supposed to dress up for horse racing. I don't know why. I've got no idea why. And they wear these and you think, it's not really meant for you, is it? If you're somebody who doesn't wear patterns, and a lot of people can't wear patterns, that's why some of the Oscars and the BAFTAs and everything else are some really naff outfits. And, and it's a shame. I noticed Charlie Girling said, ugh, fascinators. They're dreadful. They really are, honestly. It always looks like something's landed on somebody's head. Uh, Tim in Royston says, uh, my dad used to like LBC's racing pundit Colin Turner. Yes, on Bob and Doug's show. Remember him so well, so so well. Uh, Neil says I tweeted you yesterday about a horse running at Cheltenham, Envoy Allen. I'd a bet at six to one, and it only won. I had five out of six in an accumulator. Blimey, how much you get? That sounds quite good for an accumulator. Mike in Kings Langley says I backed a horse yesterday at ten to one. Trouble is, it didn't cross the finishing line till half past five. Ban him. 
ladies' day at any race course, says Holly, is the worst. You get silly women in the highest of heels limping around, pretending to be glamorous. You often find them in the ladies' loose, shoes thrown off, trying to soothe their tortured feet. Sorry to say they haven't got two brain cells to rub together. I know. I mean, well, we see it here. I see people walking through Leicester Square, even when it's raining holding their shoes because they can't they can't walk in these things. The worst fascinator, surely, is Donald Trump's blonde hairpiece, says Elliot. You could be right. And Jill says, I proudly put my new feathered fascinator on my head, which I bought for a wedding. Asked my husband what he thought. He said it looked like something had landed on me. Very cruel. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Sunday from 5am.